0: This is CliffCentral.com.
1: Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Sports Monday. You listen to The Bounce Show. Into April we go. Deep, deep into April. So much sport over the weekend. What a cool weekend, hey! Mostly because we've got an SA champion again on the U- on US PGA tour. It's been I can't remember the last time we actually were able to wake up on a Monday. And uh, one of the SA boys has won. Brandon Grace. It is is I think it's the eleventh uh, career title now. He's had seven t- uh, titles on the European tour. His first on US soil now. It really is such an, a massive, massive thing for this. He was seventh at the R G. Uh, oh, oh, oh I talk ass, Actually, the R. Oh, <laughs> what is this thing called? The R V C Heritage. Nine under, an amazing golf, amazing score on a golf course that totally does suit his game. On the coast, you've got to be accurate. You've got to keep the ball nice and low. You've got to shape it a bit. Oh, that made my weekend. I gotta say, uh, there was also lots of rugby. There was also lots of football. So much rugby, in fact, that today we are going to be theming the show a bit more rugby slanted than usual. We've got two guests. We've got uh, one of my favorite sort of up-and-coming blogs. I hope that they don't get offended by me calling them up-and-coming, but a blog that I kind of discovered end of last year called The Left Backs. Really, really cool. Two talented guys. Uh, they're focused on anything from cricket, rugby, football, uh, as you can take by The Left Backs. There's a football skew in there somewhere. Anyway, we're going to be talking to Juan from The Left Backs, talking about Super Rugby, all things around that, because there's lots to talk about. And we've got a new coach, so we're going to be chatting to Sabu Mjekuliso. If I can just get hold of him, I'm pretty sure he's going to come through. And, uh, those are my two superb guests for today because we've got lots to talk about. Uh, last week was the press conference where it was revealed that Alistair Goodsir was the new coach. Hoorah, who would have thought it? Well, everyone basically. Good song this, huh? Mark and daffodils. Anyway, like I was saying, so rugby's going to be a big deal today. And then I've got some football rants. Nothing gets the blood pumping quite like football. So I've got like your usual selection of, well, Arsenal are crap, and here are our fans telling you that. But also there's um, Stan Collymore takes a real big go at Aston Villa. And uh, Jolien Lescott, one of the more effeminate names in professional sport, he kind of does take the ire of... Um, staying Collymore so I'll play that later on in the show but first let's just kick things off now with well let's get this guy in uh, his name is Heavy D no he doesn't have any boys with him he's just Heavy D
0: Hustle Fan TV yeah. Heavy D how disappointing was that I mean it's yeah. like we've been watching that game game after game after game at home here this season season's over man it's over do you know what I mean it hurts me to say season's over man the dream's over and the worst thing about it is we might never get top four. And then, You know what? If City and Liverpool win in Europe, we're fucked. We're yeah. fucked because only two teams go through to Europe. So even like fourth place might be in vain. Mm. This has turned to a nightmare. And he, awesome. even though, listen, even though we know that, you know, we're not going to win the league even going into it before this, but before the game, Leicester have dropped points. Arsenal just looked so lacklustre out there and they weren't really... Yeah. They don't want it. They don't want it. They don't want it, it, man. They don't want it. They're just like they're not interested, are they? They're not interested. Do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) (laughs) Boom! I'm not I'm not in a boom mood today. (laughs) I'm not in a boom mood. I'm boomless. I'm boomless. I'm boomless. But yeah, man. What is wrong with them? What is wrong with you, Arsenal uh, players? What's wrong with you? Don't you want it? We're bottles. Do they like us? We want it. We want this, right? We win this league. We want trophies. They don't want it. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What does Vingo want? What does the players want? What do they want? you want to sit back and just, you know what I mean? This just embarrassing. You're making a mockery of us, man. I brought our team for you. We're, 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 we're all behind the team. All, no matter what, and this is what we get in return, man. Come on. Fix up, man. It's embarrassing. Don't like this shit, man. Do you know what I mean? What, what, what do you think needs to change it? You know, we just have, have a clear up, man. Clear up. You know what? You know what? they're not playing for the man manager. the man's got to go man I, I, you know, I'll tell turn, turn, turn myself this is it man so we ain't won nothing Leicester and Tottenham come on it's embarrassing enough's enough man come on man you know what, I mean? like, you know, what can we do it's just broken it's broken mate it's broken I'm sorry the, the system's broken the system's broken you've got to bring in some new got to bring some new blood bring in some new players bring in some new manager whatever you've got to fix it man whatever's, whatever's doing right now is not working do you know what I mean it's just got you know it's just not it's not it's not happening so I've got to do but you know what if I want to say one thing like Mac from the toilet only gave me this
1: ah <laughs> oh, this guy's absolute gold he's just like this big burly dude with peroxide hair he's about twenty years too old for the hairstyle but look at him go heavy D and the rest everyone's just having a full goat arsenal right now and um, wow <laughs> it's just getting worse and worse isn't it anyway let's get into the headlines for the weekend it was an action packed weekend as I said at the top of the show. Uh, not because I was running out of words, it really was just an action-packed weekend. It's so nice that there's such variety on at the moment, and rugby, well, let's start with that. Now, we'll get into a big, big rugby chat, of course, as I mentioned, with our two guests, but just to run you through the fixtures, well, sorry, the results from the weekend, the Crusaders are looking like a pretty good side right now. Like, I know everyone's beaten the Jaguars, I think they've been very disappointing. Anyway, so thirty-two-fifteen, the Crusaders triumphed over the Argentines, but this Crusaders team it's not like anyone ever wrote them off, okay? Like, that doesn't happen. But the thing is, they lost the Chiefs early on, and then uh they've kind of got under the radar ever since because the Chiefs have been so amazing. But here's a team that's going to look so bloody good, I think, coming to the end of the tournament. And uh there's clearly some new talent that is coming through that's replacing the old. So good on them. The Rebels, well, the UK is ready. The Rebels, force, they all fall into the same bracket for me. They're never going to make the playoffs, and uh they just kind of... Every now and again, they throw a banana skin to bigger teams. The bigger team this weekend that did not do any sort of skidding was the Hurricanes. There's another team, New Zealand team, that started off kind of slowly, but look at the power on now and uh, looking to be a huge force. Big win there because that was away from home for the Hurricanes. The Cheetahs versus the Sunwolves. Now, this is something that I'll pick up with, uh on with Joanne in a bit. But, wow, when these two teams played in the first first time this tournament okay, in Singapore... Singapore, sorry. One point was the difference. It was such a close match. Literally just one point separated the two teams. But now, 92 to 17. <laughs> now when the Kings, uh, were in Super Rugby a few years back for, I think the last time they were here, in Super Rugby, I really thought this is it. This was a team that's going to take 100 points. There's no way they can compete. There's no way that they're going to be able to maintain an entire season. Anyway, because it be the way it, it was, it isn't this tournament, you're not, if you're up 60 points, you're not going to keep hammering away. You're going to rest your key players. There's no chance you can ever get to 100. But the cheaters almost bloody well did it. Look at that head, 92-17. Tries a plenty for all those sort of backs. I think, I think Sergio Peterson scored four. Uh, another hat trick in the team somewhere along the line. Just absolute drubbing. And you got to ask, like, if the Sunwolves are taking that to the cheaters, then what are the chances of them competing against someone like the Chiefs at home in rampant form? Again, I don't think they are going to see a score as high as this because they literally just lose, lose the shape completely, and they will learn from this. But the fact is, there's a 90-pointer in this tournament, and that doesn't mean much good for the tournament itself. The Blues versus the Sharks. The Sharks had a very spirited opening, and uh, they could easily win this game if they took opportunities. But 23-18, the Blues just too strong in the end. And that tour is only going to get tougher for the Sharks. So Sharks fans, my sympathies are with you in advance. Waratahs 20, Brumbies 26. Now the Waratahs are kind of falling behind the Rebels as far as, well, top two of the the Aussie teams. So as the third best in the log right now, this is a massive game for them. And they did bloody well to get so close. But the Brumbies just too good. 26-20, the way winner's there. And speaking of Aussie teams, another one took an absolute hammering. Bulls 41, Reds 22. Really good for the Bulls. They are a good side. Uh, I think if you watch them um, the versus the Sharks, it was a game that nobody needed to watch or actually didn't n- need to happen, actually. It was so horrible. It was a terrible indictment of in where SR Rugby is, but thankfully they have bounced back, and they're looking like a good side. They can run the ball, play with a bit of um intent, and yeah, look. there's always going to be good young talent to the Bulls. It's how it's nurtured amongst and sown in between the senior players. That's always their big worry. 41-22 is a good score, though, but the game that I most enjoyed of the weekend was Lions versus the Stormers. Kind of always felt the Stormers were going to be a bit short in this one. How am I just talking about the, uh, altitude? The, uh, the Lions are a good side. They really are. And they showed it against the Sharks. They were very clinical and they didn't fall for the bully tactics. They would just play their own game, keep the ball in hand. They're always the more attractive side. And hey presto, another big win against a big local rival. So when you think about it, they are very much SA's best team right now. And, uh, Log points pretty close to the Stormers, but come uh, playoff times, I think I'd rather have this team going through than any other team. They can mix it up with the best of them, but they've always got the ability to score. They've got great hands, great interplay, and they just have an attack mind that you can coach all day. But thing is, you would never forget that this, this team has been together for about three, four years, right? When they got relegated from Super Rugby, They had the chance to build together. Sure, a couple of players were missing here and there or went and played like... In the case of Elton Junchies, he went and played for the Stormers for a year. Worst year of his life, right? He's a rugby player, but he was away. Anyway, the Lions have had a chance to really kind of knuckle down and create a core... And that is why they're the best team in SA right now. And they had a chance to just grow. And with Johan Akum, and they've all grown together as a unit. So it's no surprise to me that that's, they are top right now and they have beaten Sharks and Stormers back-to-back times. So that's Super Rugby. We'll look at it more in depth in our interview feature. But get on to the sevens quickly. The Kenyan sevens team. Good on you. 30 points to seven winners over Fiji is a really amazing result, That Because what only does it say is that Kenya definitely, there always have been a force here and there to be reckoned with. They've fallen off the ball a little bit of late. But the fact that they can win this thing just shows that going into the Olympics, we've got a real contender here. Which means we have got a lot of contenders. When you think, Fiji, obviously, they're top of the, the standings right now. Then there's SA, good side. And uh, SA hasn't clicked of late ever since we won the SA leg of uh, the tournament of the world series, but here's a team that can win and they've got such good, such good players. It should be quite hard done by like that semi final against Fiji was, it was just a beautiful game of rugby. So they're a contender and then you got Australia, you got New Zealand and to lesser stages, you've got guys like sort of Kenya, maybe England have been nothing great of late. Uh, France has shown that they also want to play, but I think that's just a once off. Yeah, so sevens, huh? It's, it, going to see, I was so excited about this and it just hasn't disappointed whatsoever. Right. Next up, we've got football. Lots and lots of football to get through. Like I said, towards the end of the show, I'm going to play you a clip about how Aston Villa is just kind of throwing the towel in. But like, people are really upset. And you think the guys in Arsenal fan TV are upset about Arsenal and the fact that they can't win a league? Well, other side of the spectrum. Aston Villa have, confirmed they are relegated. They lost 1-0 to Man United over the weekend. That's what they've done. They even wore yellow, which was kind of fitting and kind of horribly ironic at the same time. Uh, other than relegation news of a slightly more positive aspect is that uh, Rafa Benitez has finally got something out of the Newcastle team. 3-0, they'll beat Swansea, which is like the floodgates finally opening for them. They've been coming so close. They've been trying so hard because they're in the drop zone right now, the second last. They need to get a good win, a win run going on here just to be safe. That is, you know, provided other teams didn't do the same. So that's good news for the for them. Other results, Chelsea, well, their season is just, yeah, it's, it's just so done. I mean, the motivation of those players must been all-time low. Man City went to Stamford Bridge and they won 3-0. Bournemouth, they lost to Liverpool 2-1. Liverpool was a nice, great uh, late-season form, which hopefully they can take into the Euro- Europa League. And then Arsenal 1-1 Crystal Palace, which is why that guy like Heavy D at the start of the show was so angry. Tonight's a big one, though, because Spurs take on Stoke, right? Now, this is a big one because currently Spurs sit eight eight points behind Leicester. Leicester with an entertaining, although controversial, 2-2 draw with West Ham of the weekend. So, Spurs win this one. Then it's five points because they've all got a game in hand, Um it really is an exciting kind of end to this whole thing. And, uh, yeah, next few weeks we'll be getting more and more interviews and more content around that for you. After Premiership, well, it's a two horse race and it's suddenly become a much bigger one for Sundowns. They're now six clear with five to play. They had a good win over the weekend at beating Joe McCosmos 2-0. Fitz, they couldn't get the winner against Free State Stars. Huge amounts of opportunity there. Uh, I just couldn't tie it away. But then La Liga is the story that I'm finding quite interesting at the moment. Um, I don't know if you met, you picked it up like a month or so ago. I was just getting so frustrated that every team I supported just did terribly, like just so, so badly. So to prove my point and how I'm a sporting jinx, I said that I was going to support Barcelona for the rest of the season. The moment I did that, they, their 39 match unbeaten uh, streak done, finished. They have now lost four of their last five matches, three of which have been in the league, okay? A league they were absolutely dominating. They now are tied with Atletico, so that's top of the log. And Real Madrid's only one point behind. Just one point behind. Um Rail had a big win over the weekend, five one over Getafe. Uh, Atletico 3-0 over Granada, but Barcelona, one, Valencia, two. I touched on the golf, Great win for Brennan Grace. Formula One, Nico Rosberg is now three out of three for the start of the season. He's a massive, I think, over 30 points ahead in the driver standings. But it's kind of interesting what's happening behind him. I mean, Hamilton's having his, his issues with the car, uh, mechanical failures, and he's uh, crashed out a bit. But um Ferraris aren't able to capitalize on this. And then you've got some mad Red Bull drivers. There's actually quite a lot happening, which is kind of good. So even if Rosberg is way ahead and Mercedes just keep winning, at least something else to cheer about. And finally the headlines, tennis, Monte Carlo open, Rafael Nadal back in winning, winning ways. That is him beating Gail Monfils, 7-5, 5-7-6 love. Uh, if you don't like tennis, well, you're, I kind of see where you're coming from, but the French Uh, Well, the whole clay court um, stretch of the atb tour is actually really cool and there's so many great destinations they go to monte carlo was this last weekend they go all around and uh if nadal's back on form it's going to make for a very interesting french open because you know that's the one open that rafael nadal has not won yet that is a real big deal for him so if he can get that going well sheepers nadal federer's still got a bit going for him it would be great to see monfils kick on in the majors he hasn't really done it in the past uh John Wolf at yeah, you got lots of players. Andy Murray, of course. He's never to be thrown out of there. We're we'll gonna take a quick ad break and we come back, we're gonna get into our rugby feature. We've got our two guests and everything you need to know. If you do want to get involved, if you are listening in live, always get onto the w the, the WeChat. So it's a cliff central official account there. And uh you can ask me anything you want. Otherwise Twitter at Follow the Bounce, you can get involved there as well.
2: It's back. Are you Jawsy Tough? Cycle through tunnels, over floating bridges, and into colossal stormwater drains. You're a machine and nothing's going to stop you. With two separate routes, a 22K for beginners or a 54K for the tougher riders. Go where no mountain biker has gone before. On the 29th of May, ride the Hollard Juma. Brought to you by AdReach and Joburg City Parks and Zoo. Challenge accepted. Juma.co.za.
3: Leonardo and Rita were finally taking their honeymoon and they'd chosen the most luxurious honeymoon suite that money could buy. On tonight's episode of Did You Know? Carbon monoxide. The silent killer. The historic suite had every romantic necessity, including a generous 18th century indoor fireplace. A lot of things can cause a CO spill, but the number one culprit is the indoor fireplace. The enthusiastic lovebirds wasted no time, and within mere moments, the open flames were casting two bobbing shadows on the suite's ornate walls. The initial symptoms of poisoning include breathlessness and disorientation. Oh my, I feel breathless, gasped Rita. What planet are we on? Whispered Leonardo. Inhaling the gas for a period of 20 minutes will start to weaken the muscles and can even lead to vivid hallucinations. They lay limp in each other's arms before the fiery glow, while over in the corner, a Bengal tiger played the sitar. At Road Lodge, there's no chance of getting carbon monoxide poisoning from the fireplace because there is no fireplace. Road Lodge, the
1: no-frills one-star hotel. Uh, Welcome back. Listen to The Bounce Show, Monday morning. Big rugby feature ahead now. We've got Svoo Mjekaliso coming up right now, but I just want to play a little intro for him because I saw him last week. I've always known about him on Twitter. This is how the world of sport works. But we were in the e-studios together. I was talking to someone, and then he was talking to someone else after that. It was all about the Springbok coach announcement, which was this thing. It took place last week.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, he is no stranger to South Africa and South Africans. And I say, without fear or favor yet today, But as we start this new era in South African rugby, I am personally excited. It is no secret. And even though everybody knows who he is, it still gives me goosebumps, makes my heart happy to be able to stand up on behalf of rugby and behalf of the people of this great country. And I ask us all today to stand behind him and get behind him and get behind our rugby team. Alistair Kutsia has walked the walk, and I believe that he is the best man, the best person for the job. I'm really pleased, therefore, to say to the nation today that Alistair Kutsia is the new South African coach, and I thank you once again for um, allowing us the opportunity Get with it. to present to you the coach of the Springboks, Alistair Kutsia.
1: Well, it's with a happy heart that I welcome Spoo onto the show for the first time. Spoo, thanks for joining us today.
4: Cheers,
5: guys. Thanks for having me. Eh?
1: I thought the best intro would be Oregon Hoskins. Now, I couldn't contact him directly to intro you, so I just basically took what he said by Alistair Kutsia. So... um yeah, I saw you last week, and it literally was after the press conference. Like, Just, just gut feeling, what's your take on Alistair good the next coach?
5: Well, uh, my gut feeling is that it, in terms of timing, it's probably the most appropriate, especially considering the successes to Jake White. Uh, the timing has probably been off a bit. Like with Heineken Mayer, he probably should have gotten his job in 2007, end of 2007, to 2008. And he was he was a little, little off off-touch with uh, rugby um, by the time he got it in 2011-2012. Uh, the timing was terribly off. And uh, I reckon that with uh, Al- Alistair Kostia, the timing is perfect. He's actually, he's actually served his time in Povacic Rugby, I reckon. And I think if he had gotten it too soon, if he had succeeded Jake White, he wouldn't have learned much of the lessons that he got at the Stormers. I mean, that Stormers gig was like pretty brutal on Alistair to be honest and the Cape media they weren't easy on him because in Cape Town you have to win not only must you win you have to win a certain way and I didn't like the way that he was winning games obviously and I know there's a lot of trepidation regarding um, how the box are going to play just yeah under Alistair Kostia yeah, but I think now that he has a pool of the entire South African rugby um, public or the the entire rugby pool You'll be able to pick skilled players to execute a more a more hands on uh, game plan and not win without the ball like they did in the five years he was there.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that point up because in the aftermath of this announcement everyone's going, Oh yeah, but he was the only guy. He's the only guy who's gonna put up with Sarius Kak and on and on and on. I didn't hear too many positive things about the fact that he has actually walked the walk. And um I mean obviously if I can talk to someone of substance like you, you can affirm this for me it just shows how, how fickle the rugby public is. And I think if we carry on in, as a public, of course, on this turn, I think we're going to miss something that could be quite special here. The point you made that there was most salience around this is this is actually his time. The command man, his time Peter Vidas came in, who really knows what's going on, but it yeah. is. And I think after watching the stormers versus the lions, right this last weekend, I think he's got a good player base. And I think he's got good knowledge of the player base rather than just like, okay, that guy's good. That guy's good. I think this guy generally does know what he's going to work with. But do you think he's got enough time to really kind of make the start that he deserves to make for the island tests?
5: Look, a, a couple of things um, will be to his disadvantage. The way that the box are going to play, in terms of vision and long-term goals, those will be very compromised early, very early on because he hasn't had time to go and behave with the unions in terms of how the box that oh. should play or how the players should be conditioned, who should be rested. So he doesn't really have a pool of players that he has under his absolute control. You contrast that with Ireland. Ireland have already gone into camp. I mean, Joe Schmidt had 40 players over the weekend that he that he took to camp. So they're ready. They're there to play tomorrow. Uh, I reckon they'll beat the box, but luckily there's still a bit of time. Not all is lost. And also, talent-wise, you can always bank on South Africans to have the talent and we're playing at home and we'll be fresher than the Irish because they just finished their season. So I, I reckon it's, it's going to be closer than it would have been ordinarily between a South Africa and Ireland series, especially one that that's in South Africa. It's going to be very, very close. Uh, and, and Ireland has a very, very organized team as well, especially under Joe Schmidt. And although the World Cup was in against the Argentina and very, very brilliant quarterfinal that we saw. But um, but I reckon that, look, it, it's not ideal. But one thing that he has to his advantage is, is the fact that Alistair is, is not the kind of guy who's afraid to play players that are in form. I found with Heineken Mayer, his fear was uh, trusting players that are in form from other unions that he hadn't actually worked with, that he didn't really know. So you found that he would pick a Victor Matfield, took Victor Matfield out of retirement purely on the basis that he wanted somebody new, uh, intimately, to go and play for him. And I don't think Alistair is too attached to to those kind of uh, sentimental bonds. I reckon he will pick a gown for me. He'll he'll, uh, throw caution to the wind. He might pick a Lionel Mapu and say, look, uh, I've never worked with Lionel before at any level, but he is the form number 13, so I'll give him a shot. Purely based on the fact that he's doing the job right now. He's that kind of coach. And and, and he's not a coach that's obsessed with size too much. He's spoken well about Alting Yankees. He's spoken well about, well about uh, uh, Cheslin Colby. Uh, all the guys that have been. Uh, I mean, I, I reckon Yaku Kriel might be in with a proper shot at a box jersey this year. Fafi Clack, another one who has been absolutely brilliant. I've loved Fafi Kleck this year. I think, I think he's the closest thing we'll ever get to an, an Aaron. In, in South Africa and also he's playing with the form flyhouse so I expect to see those guys in Alistair's team he's not the kind of guy that will be too attached to the Stormers and I mean look the Stormers do a lot of good things but what they they don't have at the moment is, is dynamism they don't have like match when guys will come in and just change the game completely I know Sina Colise came off the bench against the Lions and did very very well uh, but he probably doesn't want to play from the bench. So they're, they're lacking a bit of that. So you won't find that Alistair will pick Thomas players purely on the basis that he's worked with them before. He'll look at everybody. And I actually think one or two of the Kings guys might, might, might have a shot. I think Edgar Marucluta's been very good. And I think Casey Astle as well as maybe a possible number four, a fourth lock, if you know what I mean. We know the three big locks that are the best in the country. Lord the Akepsons himself yeah, had an fit fits himself, so does Peter Step so fit. Yeah. yeah, And then we have an opening for a fourth guy. And I think J.C. Astro might be that guy because he's playing really, he's really line out very, very well, does J.C. So And he's young, playing well at the Kings are starting So <laughs> So Look at those kind of guys. You'll, you'll look at, well, Yanis Kirsten has uh, been brilliant. game. a youngster there for the Bulls. they will look at him. Oh, I think that kid is great. And and also, the, knowing that there's a little bit of pressure that's off Alistair for this year, it, the, the, the delay has kind of given him a bit of a reprieve so he can get his excuses in early. Um, but we don't obviously want him to get there. But um, he, he's under less pressure ordinarily than a new Springbok coach would be.
1: Well, it's yeah. Okay, there's about three thousand points that I to agree with you on, but the big one for me is that, like you say, if he doesn't know them, you'll still have the chance. It it must give a real great message to players out there, knowing that, like when Victor Matfield was picked, if you're an up and coming, you're a strong lock, or if you're just a a, a guy maybe in the captaincy, basically Hanukkah was saying, look, I have no faith. I have absolutely no faith in these guys. Taking nothing out. away from Victor, of course but if you like what you say now is that even the couple of the guys in the kings can at least be looked at on face value rather than, than him saying look you know i want i want i want to go with what i'm proven with and i think this is going to be a, such an amazing thing for SRR because suddenly your players are a lot more motivated they're a lot more sort of proactive in how they go about things and performances will speak volumes for that it's a really, really good place to be. but the the, no, the the big question I have to ask you is, now, is he going to go along the strategy of he picks the best players and finds a captain within them? Or is it very much like identifying a captain and then kind of looking at someone who can work with them? Because we know when it comes to international levels, man management almost supersedes um, skill and playing ability. So yeah. what, do you re- what do you reckon his tact will be with that one?
5: Jesus, it's a tough one. I've grappled with it myself. Um I had to put the story together for, for, for my newspaper over the weekend and, and I, I grappled with it. I asked a few guys that have been captains, um, either at Springbok level or been captains under under Alistair. I spoke to, to, to a guy called Chad Alcock who was the scrum and captain at Eastern Province and who also played for the Sharks back when Alistair was the coach then. Yeah. And 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 he says, the the one thing his captain, which is a non negotiable, that his captain must take himself in the starting 15. It's, it, 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 it transcends any other bond that they might have prior. You felt with um, Anakin, you always spoke of trust between the captain and himself first, uh, above the ability of the captain to stay within the team, to stay injury free, uh, like uh, John uh, DeVilliers, who played with injury in the latter stages of his captaincy. Mr. Matchfield is also hopping over the line. Um, I reckon for Reed's career, he also came in there. so much um, okay and then weren't necessarily at their feet. So I think you might throw a curveball. Yeah, It might not be someone who expected. Uh, I think Warren White is in with a great shot. Uh, he, he, he's certainly one of the players that uh, could come on a good starting uh, place for four years. I mean, is only 27 years old. Yeah. Um, and, and for the kind of rugby we want to play, Whiteley personally fits the bell. I think a guy like Gordiak could could be one of those um, uh, sort of for the future kind of captains if, we, if we're if we looking in that mold. I mean, Alistair was there when uh, John Smith was picked as captain when he was young, as a 23-year-old, when Jake White said, this is my captain going forward. Nothing changes. We'll start and play every game. And no one can say, is it. not the kind of player that will start and play every game. So, I, I, I think it, 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 people are saying, join uh, for um But I, I reckon he will, look, he will look beyond that. He will look for a guy that will be there in Japan. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards a a good a, Yager. Uh, I'm leaning towards a Warren Weiser. I think Juan de Jong might have been in with a chance to it, not for the multitude of centers that we've got in the country. I mean, we're blessed with quality, quality centers. I mean, if you have to pick a 13 between Sponsor Center at the Cheetah, uh, Lionel Mapu who was mentioned at the Lions, as well as, as Juan de Jong himself at 13 at Jesse Creel. Uh, there's also, I mean, a whole lot of guys like Young could also play 13. So, yeah,
1: so I,
5: I don't think De Jong is like the best. Of the, the the best that's out there in terms of number thirteen, so he he, he might struggle to keep
1: this place. Wow, what an, what a job here! I mean, you think we all wake up on on a Monday with things to do, but all these different points, like it's just endless, really. Like you, you want to get a captain who's got some international experience as well, which wouldn't stand in John John Young's case, but you also want someone who's going to be indispensable. Wow, it really is. It's like the guy has so many different decisions, but every time that we discuss these things, I feel that that he's still in a good place. Though it's like the only thing I'm looking at right now, you know, because I'm not trying to find a negative. I'm just trying to make some some balance. Is that sure. off? Oh, flower situation is not looking so good, right? To Alton Jonesy, I hope he makes it because I, the guy's been there, thereabouts. I don't think he's been managed very well disastrous season at the Stormers. He got into the box setup and he was out of it. I reckon he's our first choice on form, and I think he should be. But behind that, it's looking kind of scary, huh? I mean, what happens if Elton was, heaven forbid, Touchwood, fall down tomorrow? Who have we actually really got going ahead for this series yeah. alone?
5: Yeah, those, those are the things that I sort of took your hand, Coach. I mean, we, we, we currently we don't have any fly-offs. We don't have any knocking at the door. I mean, it's really, it will have to be a curveball. I mean, John looks, he looks okay, but two storms of game, uh, at best, no international experience to speak of at all, um, and, and everyone else is interested. Pat Lambie might make it back in time, but at, at mm. maximum, might like get, what, three matches before the start of an international season. Yeah. Uh, Henry Pollard, obviously, as we know, is out, so... Really, I don't think Alton's also being managed well. I mean, I, I had a, a close-up look at his strapping that he plays with on his wrist, which they say at the union is precautionary, but it's pretty heavy strapping.
4: Yeah, I noticed that too.
5: Measure, I'll tell you that. It's it's, it's almost like a cast. <laughs> if you actually had a look at that strapping on
6: Alton um, left wrist, it's, it's like a, it looks terrible.
5: So I, I don't know, I don't know how, how far that injury's gone, um, I'd love to see the x-rays, but um, fortunately I'm not in a position to demand those for the union. Um, but I, I reckon, I reckon Alton it, it might might struggle a bit. I think it's a bit selfish of the Lions, to be honest, playing through this time because what they're saying is they're putting their campaign ahead of everything else. Even though they do have a very capable fly-off, Vanu crew and Yakupa Navas are the best. So. I don't know. I don't know um, how it's going to go. And I mean, I saw you are playing for Racing Metro at number 13 as well. When they uh, when they beat Toulon, Dan Carter started the fly off. And a uh, French fullback uh, playing at 15. And then, and I mean, if you're going to take a guy that's playing 13 and that's also played 15 up in front and making you fly off, it's a bit of a kicking teeth to the guys that are local. There's always more they stay. <laughs> you how Unfortunately, happen.
1: you're right. There is always money staying.
5: <laughs> yeah, and there's always money staying to sort of fall back on, um, in the absence of anybody else. So I'm hoping that there's a there's a fly house in the woods somewhere that might be born in time. Yeah, <laughs> for for the international
1: oh, right, season. All right, so we, we have unfortunately run out of time, and we need to get into a Super Rugby feature. Uh, But yeah, I, I guess the, the bottom line is the Lions need to manage Elton Jones better, and um, as a, he just needs the support he deserves. huh? I think all, all the credentials are there. All the resources are in place. If he can just get freedom, uh, I've I got a good feeling about this guy. Sure, he wasn't the most dynamic coach in the world, and Stormers Rugby, being a Stormers fan, obviously, now I've been through all the hard times with him, so... My yeah. glass is sometimes half empty, but I just, I've got a good feeling about this guy. And it's been great chatting to you because, I mean, just some of those points that I think people just fail to actually recognize. This guy is going to make this team something a bit more special, and it's definitely his time to do so.
5: No, no, it's actually good. And, 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 and you know what, what's the other good thing is that he, of, of all the other coaches, he won't be hassled about all, all the other things. He's a good, great man manager. And I think, because he's given so many guys a fair chance, um, he won't be caught up in what Henneke Mayer was caught up in yeah. I mean, when he gave Rudy Page so little game time and he gave Lionel so yeah. little game time. And I don't think he'll be caught up in the numbers. I mean, by the end of the term, your Mayer was struggling to fill the quota of black players. And it was just sad to see good players miss out on a chance because he c- couldn't manage it from the start of his tenure. He couldn't... Uh, put in the players that merited selection soon enough in in, 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 the, in those positions. So he ended up having to fill uh, numbers purely based on on, on what uh, the suits wanted at the end of the day, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. And I don't think Everton will be caught in that at all. Um, he's given everybody a fair chance, and then it'll be good to see.
1: Cool. Spoo, thanks so much. If you want to find Spoo on Twitter, it's SBU underscore fundraiser. It's very interesting, story, but you gotta be—you gotta be, got to be a unique in life, huh? And where else can where <laughs> else can people find find your writing? I mean, I I try to cram you to ten minutes here, and I failed miserably. Where can people find your writings on a week-to-week basis?
5: No, I'm um, I, I write for Times Media, Group, so any of our newspapers, uh, like the Times, also uh
1: Business Day or the
5: Sunday Times, mostly. Uh, so any of our group papers, you can check me out or, or online cool. on Times Live. So basically, that's it.
1: All right. So thanks so much for your time busy guy we're going into a super happy feature next uh, just to kind of intro you to that the Sunwolves play against the Cheetahs, and it didn't go particularly well Sergio Peterson though he had a great game oh Peterson over the top the kick with Peterson hoping for the bounce he gets the bounce yes he does Ooh on the outside Sergio Peterson Sergio Peterson it's going to be electric.
6: manages to win it back and yeah, Lee sells the W, Sergio Peterson the a
3: Donnie Mini. Rule. Rule. Peterson. Peterson. The stick, the balls off to Scuba. Scuba. the Scuba. 92
1: 92.17, huh? Hey? An absolute, absolute hammering. Sean, did you watch the match?
6: The, um, Sunwolves and the Cheaters? Yeah. Yeah, I know I did. It was actually too difficult to watch. I actually switched it off after it was like 33-3 after 20 minutes.
1: Wow. And, couldn't um, anymore. and when the two teams played prior to this, just the one point gap, huh? Oh.
6: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's kind of hard to believe, but, yeah, not a big Sunwolves fan. I think they're actually pathetic, um,
1: yeah but like what is it though i mean is is it a case of death? because the first thing people when they saw the super 18 i mean there's so many teams have actually dropped the number now but yeah is this game here just confirming the fact that maybe maybe just maybe uh sansart won't obviously listen to this or care about this but maybe there are just too many teams because if this is going to happen now i reckon there'll be more of this kind of happening in the future right
6: yeah, totally. I totally, totally agree with you. In my opinion, the Super First or the Super Rugby should be premium in First Division. Obviously, there's substantial problems with that and that um, nobody's going to watch the First Division. Although, you know, the thing is, is like they they want to bring r- rugby to Japan and rugby to Singapore and increase the presence of, of the game there. But then the stadiums are are relatively empty, which is also kind of like counterproductive in my opinion. So yeah. their logic kind of falls flat to it.
1: Like it, it all looks great when a couple of guys in the suits get together at a table and they start showing flow charts and all that other kind of crap. but when it comes down to rugby, like you can't fool the wool of many eyes here, and it's a bit of a shame, so the next team is going to be expanded to oh who knows the sun wolves yeah. the first time away to South Africa, they got hammered by the stormers, and uh mm-hmm. in retrospect, maybe that was actually quite a good game by them. <laughs> For sure. Maybe they did quite well So, um, John, you are one half of the left backs, right? Yes,
6: that's correct.
1: Okay. And I originally started the bounce show purely so I can just talk to guys like you and myself around there. So we're not talking to players because I think players are kind of boring a lot of the time. You know, it's about yep. people who are actually watching this stuff, getting insights. And you I mean, your site's definitely a site that i picked up on from late last year. And of course on Twitter as well. So. Mm. Rugby is kind of more your sport, so you've been watching Super Rugby quite a lot. Your take on the log right now? Do you first, you do you think the allocation of teams going into the qualification, the knockout stages is fair? That the fact that the African pool gets what three, and then the Australasian one gets what five? Yeah, how's that? That that
6: is quite, yeah, that is quite an odd one. And and you know, I think the way they divide up the logs and the way they kind of structure the competition has become so convoluted. And I think the reason it's become convoluted is because it's just not natural. You know, it's it's not like a natural thing for 18 teams to be in one competition. And it's it's very clear to see that there's never been like an expansion plan. It's always been, let's just add more teams, let's add more teams and then we'll figure out as we get there. So yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of of how the, the whole system works. I mean, also the fact that the Stormers aren't playing any New Zealand sides, um, well, the Stormers and the Bulls, that is, I think that's really, really kind of um, unfair in a way. I think it's also it's unfair to the Stormers in that they can't really prove, you know, their their skills. And it's also unfair for the guys like the Sharks who are playing the, the Kiwi side. Because, I mean, let's be honest, they're significantly stronger than the Australian side, particularly well, just, this year.
1: Just to give you an understanding, the Australian group right now, first place Chiefs, second place Brumbies, third place Crusaders, fourth place Hurricanes, fifth place Highlanders. The Stormers mm-hmm. will. Storms will play one of those five teams. The yeah. Sharks, on the other hand, not so. Not sure. so, Not so nice. Yeah. Uh, yes. But, but the thing is, it's like, you know, you look at this and go, well, unfortunately, much like uh, government, this is what we this is what we stuck with. So it's like you try to make the Pretty best old. of it. But just amongst this, like the teams that you've seen so far, who do you reckon are the real sort of dangers here? I know we can just look at the log, look at the Chiefs and go, well, they're the team to beat. But just going forward, uh, longevity, depth of squad, all that kind of stuff, who, who for you right. are the major contenders for these qualification spots?
6: I think the Crusaders were formidable against the Jaguars, but, but that's the thing about the Crusaders, you know, they lose a Dan Carter, they lose a Richie McCall and they are just machines. It's just yeah. that they know how to win rugby matches and they always peak. Yeah, they're slow starters, but they always just seem to peak at the right time. So for me, long term, they're always gonna be a threat. Um, I think locally the Lions are looking quite good. I think their game plan is good. I think, um, Johanna Ackerman is the best tactician in the country when it comes to strategy. I think that he's got a really good game plan at the moment. And I think that the Lions will be competitive as long as he's kind of in charge there. Um, the Highlanders have kind of been a little iffy. So I don't really think that they're going to go places. Um, I think, but like, to your point, the Chiefs, you know, with guys like Damien McKenzie, they've got a lot of youth. They're just a killer side. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, Chiefs and Crusaders—they would be the two main guys for for the foreseeable future, in my opinion.
1: Totally, and a team like the Hurricanes was—it's anything worth drawing into that start they had, which was predicted was pretty slow compared considering how good they were last year. I know they're coming right yeah. now, but I mean, two losses and then five wins.
6: Yeah, for sure. I love the Canes; they're my, probably be probably my favourite um, Kiwi side, my favourite kind of like non South African side. And I think that. It's very disappointing. I think they obviously lost Conrad Smith, which is a big loss. I mean, he was a captain, kind of like Captain Courageous, you know, lead from the front, all that kind of thing. And I think that um, they're missing him. But I mean, you know, everything else is still kind of the same. I, I, I don't really know what's going on there, to be honest. I think it, it kind of feels a bit like it's a mental problem, like they maybe just don't believe in themselves. And I think it's difficult to do that when you start these games. But that's why the, the really good sides are the ones with the really strong leaders and the ones that are able to pick themselves up from those kinds of positions, like the Crusaders, for example. They just know how to win matches, like I said.
1: Okay, and then with regards to Brumbies, now they also they started off so strong, but then they had a bit of a wobble. They are sort of consolidating it now. Do, you know, is is it fair to say that maybe they're not the title contenders? They could be there, but they just don't have the next level as far as the QB sides is concerned.
6: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that they had a, a good start. I think they were kind of mediocre against the Warriors. Obviously against the Stormers, there was a red card, which I think drastically affected how they felt about that game. But yeah, in my opinion, I don't think that they're title contenders. I think that obviously the way the, the, the kind of, um, the, the tables are set up, I think that they, you know, will be represented in the playoffs, but I don't think that they're true, true title contenders.
1: Just last, last look in the team, what the hell's happened to the Waratahs? I mean is that just a leadership vacuum? Is it because check is gone, and everything else went with it?
6: Yeah, I think losing check is massive. I think he's a, he's a he's a really really astute coach. I think that um the Wallabies are much better for securing his services. I also think that they they seem to be ravaged by injuries because I mean they played like likelah and they played um Kirby Beal in the centres on Saturday, which is quite strange since neither of them are centres, although Beal's played there a lot. Yeah. He's not naturally a centre. So I think that they're probably struggling with injuries a bit. And and yeah, man, it's such a long competition. I always say that the mindset is so important here. You know, you've got to be in the right frame of mind. When you lose a match, you've got to pick yourself up again. And I think too many teams don't do that. The, with the competition being so long, you know, mental conditioning is just as important as physical conditioning. So, yeah, the guys really need to work on that, the guys that aren't doing well, in my opinion.
1: Right. Well, um, Sean, sure, I definitely get you back when this thing becomes more closer to the reckoning time. We're running out of time now. This hour just goes way too quickly. But, like, players, yeah. you know, you mentioned that Damien McKenzie guy from the Chiefs. Any other major players that have sort of come out this season that you weren't really expecting?
6: For sure. Um, Francois Fenton, for me, from the Cheetahs has been yeah. fantastic.
1: He's, he really has been. Huh? He's
6: a really, really good player, and um, I really, really hope that he gets to looking for the Springboks. I think at outside centre, we're a little thin. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Jesse Creel fan at the moment, and I know that that's kind of a contentious thing because a lot of people are.
1: Well, in my interesting opinion. Interesting you say, because our, our previous guest was saying how Jean de Jong's captaincy or even Bok selection is in doubt because we've got so much on the outside centre.
6: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I mean on the selection, you know, on the captaincy thing, you have to be the first name on that team sheet. Yeah. So, I mean, in my opinion, Francois Santos is a better outfit than John Deon, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, he's really, really impressed me. In terms of who else was impressed me, I think the Dupree twins from the Sharks have been good, but they started well, but their hands are a little iffy. They need to work on that.
1: Yeah, I, um, I think also, it's like decades of creatine. Your hands will come later.
6: <laughs> exactly. Um, I think for me, uh, Alton Jones has been good, but I have to say I'm not the biggest Alton Janshies fan. I actually looked into some of the stats to see what I could find to back up my argument, and I see that he's rated number one in the competition for most tackles, Um mm. I think that he's, he's not a great defender, and I know again that's a contentious thing, but in my opinion, if you had to put him in the green and gold, he would only be able to play the way he does if the line if the balls play exactly where the lines do. And I don't think, I don't foresee that happening so um, yeah, in my opinion, he, he's he's um, he, he's certainly mm-hmm. next in line to to wear the ball number ten jersey, but in my opinion, long term, he's not a great solution. But he has had a good competition.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a worry. A of, um, earlier guest was saying he's got a cast like bandaging, strapping on his arms. So maybe he's missing tackles because his arm's so screwed. Oh, wow. There's so different levels to all this kind of stuff. And again, going back to what Alistair Cassia's got on his plate to work with. So many yep. different variables, huh? Well, Joe, we haven't run out of time. I've got to play a rant from uh, Stan Collymore about Aston Villa right now, which I just have to get in before the show is done. But, uh, yeah, so we can find you at the left back, sorry, leftbacks.co.za. Yeah, that's exactly it.
6: And leftbacks, um, at leftbacks on
1: Twitter. Okay. Great. All right, man. I'll look forward to chatting to you again. Thanks for your time today. We got, cool. um, Stan Collyboy. Now you remember Stan Collymore, right? He was, uh, Aston Villa. He played a few other teams. He, I think, beat up a few chicks. Look, the guy hasn't got the best reputation, but just listen to what he's got to say about Duoline Westcott. Okay. Now this guy used to play for Man City. Uh, he then played for Aston, now he is play, he's the star player of Aston Villa. Aston Villa have been relegated. And after being drubbed 6-0 by Liverpool, he tweeted a picture of a, like an amg um, mercedes he then said he pocket tweeted it but basically stan collie you can pick up from this thing here He's just getting at these guys. They've just given up, and it's just unacceptable, really. And I think he mirrors the exact thoughts of all Aston Villa fans out there right now. Um,
2: and I would love Jolien uh, or any other Villa player to call me up in all seriousness. Uh, Jamie Carragher's done it to so Adrian Durham before, did it the other day, Jason Kundi. Jace was saying about Liverpool and uh, not being a very good side or something like that. And, and uh, Jamie Carragher had the balls to ring up uh, Jason Kundi. And take him to task. And like any villa player, particularly Joleon Lescott, to come on and first explain about the non tweeting, tweeting car from you. I mean, I've tried it with Siri and it's virtually impossible. Uh, particularly a WhatsApp image. You have to open WhatsApp and then uh, Twitter and then post the picture onto Twitter and then. T- so I think that's Quad's wallet But today, this is a senior international footballer in the modern era. Now confirmed. Maybe it's a weight off the shoulders. Why well, is it a weight off the shoulders, Jolie? It should hang on your shoulders in Dubai, in mobs, with the gold bottle with the ace of spades on it in the summer when you and Gabby and Leandro are all going to be laughing when your agents go off and take you to other football clubs. That's where the weight of the world should be on your shoulders. So, and also the Villa staff, There's the real weight on their shoulders. People that are getting made redundant, that have been there for 20 years, don't know where the next paycheck might come from. That's what the performances have done, of tweeting cars, and coming out with, now confirmed, maybe it's a weight off the shoulders, and we can give these fans what they deserve, some performances. Now, I was crap at Villa. I was was crap, considering where I'd come from at Liverpool, and particularly before that at Nottingham Forest, I was crap. But I was crap having played in every game of a club-winning record amount of games. I think it was 11 or 12 games. Um, I was crap and scoring in a a quarter-final of a European club competition and firmly in the top half of the table. And I was crap for Aston Villa. So what does that make you, Jolyon, and Leandro, and many of the other players that are... Wearing yellow today was the most apt colour that Aston Villa, those players, could have worn. The colour yellow. Go and check out what it actually means. You have a big yellow stripe through every single one of you. You've all talked the talk all year about staying up, wanting to stay up, wanting to keep the club up, and none of you have done it. I saw Bakuna in Birmingham Airport at 6 o'clock in the morning having been beaten at Southampton round on his hoverboard. You're a disgrace. and Lescott, you've won and hid behind players like Silva and Aguero, but when it mattered today with your hometown club that you profess to support, you couldn't be as crap as me and keep us in the top half of the table, or playing Europe, you've helped them go down. So if you're listening, Jolian, if you're listening, Micah, if you're listening, Brad, if you're listening, Leandro, give us a call. And instead of tweeting and putting on Instagram that Collymore's this and Collymore's that, come and tell us about your season.
1: I will definitely keep you updated on that beef because that sounds pretty good. Stan Collymore was been around the block and back and he just, you couldn't, you couldn't fault anything he was saying there. These guys just living the superstar lives and doesn't make a difference to them if they go down, but there's people who are now losing jobs. Aston Villa going down to that champions, uh, championship, whatever they call that first division is a massive thing. They're going to lay off staff. People are going to be unemployed. It, it really is terrible. And for the fans, They're going to be watching teams like Leeds or Middlesbrough. They're not going to be watching teams like Liverpool or Arsenal or Man City anymore. So much to get into with this football. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you missed anything during the show, uh, if you are listening live, then the podcast is there for you. On the and, of course, thecliffcentral.com. And for more sport throughout the week, follow me on Twitter at FollowTheBounce. And uh, find out about my guests and a whole bunch of other articles I'm about to write about all kinds of things. Thebounce.co.za. Catch you back next week. Thanks for joining me.
0: This is cliffcentral.com.